was such a blessing to to be here with you this morning as we, we understand that uh, we're barely in the second Sunday of the year and um, such a blessing to know that every time I wake up I, I know that I realize every time I, I have a I made a commitment to the Lord and to me um, that every time I wake up, as soon as I open my eyes, before I think about anything, before I grab my phone and look if, if anybody left me a message in the middle of the night or something like that, my goal is always to say, thank you, Lord, for another day. Thank you, Lord, for an opportunity. Every day that we wake up is a blessing. So it's a blessing to be here with you this morning. And we gather here today to encourage one another to learn more about the great love God has for you and for me. And um, as you know, we just enter a brand new year, basically our second Sunday, like I said before. And uh, it's a perfect time to look at our priorities. And that's why today we are going to continue in our, ser- uh, in our series uh, on priorities, first things first. And uh, last week we were encouraged uh, to think deeply about the uh, true priorities that lead to a blessed life uh, from God. God will bless our life when we, uh, when we have our priorities in order. And uh, we were talking about last week also uh, from the book of Haggai how important it is to understand, to examine ourselves... You know, why are things going the way they're going in our lives? Why, if if something's not going right in my life, I need to sit down and analyze and be honest with myself. Uh, It's what's going on in my life. Is it a result of my decisions? Is it a result of a bad or a wrong, the wrong decision? Did I make a bad decision? Did I make the wrong decision? Or is it a result of God testing me so He can make me stronger, so He can help me mature in my life? Uh, So last week we were encouraged to think deeply about our priorities. and, uh, And that is because life, we said last week, has a way of keeping us busy with a lot of stuff. If we're not careful, if we don't look, if we don't pay attention, we say yes to this, yes to that, yes to this, no to this, not to that. But when we less expect that we have so much stuff on our plate, that we have so much stuff that sometimes we cannot juggle anymore. And from the from work to shorts to an endless list of the to-do list, and we get lost in the chaos of doing all that stuff. So God wants us. To make sure that we place our priorities in the right order. So imagine your day as a plate. And I'm going to tell you this. When I moved to North Carolina, it was beautiful to be over there because for some reason when you move to a state like North Carolina and you go from California, it's like going to another country. It's like a culture shock. It's like a different, completely a different place. So um, I remember I was, uh, for some reason, we had the time, we had time, and we, uh, we made a, one of our priorities was to play soccer every single day. And, and so we at least play soccer six days a week. But when, after we play soccer, we found a restaurant that if you can put, the more you can put in your plate, as long as it doesn't fall from the plate, they will cook it for you. So let me show you. This place was called the Mongolian Grill. The Mongolian Grill. These are the exact pictures from that place I used to go eat. And so the whole team, every time the people working there would see the team coming in, they would be like, oh boy, we're in trouble. 
these guys are going to eat all the food. And so we will get to the bar. And so they give you a, a kind of like a bowl, a medium-sized bowl like that. And the medium-sized bowl, the, as much as you can pile up in there. So what we did is we became experts in piling it up. We became experts. I mean, you, you found some, some Latinos playing soccer in Hungary. They'll find a way to eat a lot. So, no, no, let's go back. Let's go back. So, you see this. We will compete. We will compete to see who is going to pile up more food. Who is going to eat more. So, if you notice, there's different sizes. But let's go to the next one now. So, that one was pretty good. But some people would even get very creative, right? And if you notice, in these two bowls right here, you, do you notice the, uh, the, the meat around it? So, that meat is frozen. So what we used to do is we used to build walls around the bowl. We used to build walls and when we built the wall, we were able to put more food and the more the, the higher the wall, the more food we would put and then some of us got creative and say, "Hey, let's do it together because we're going to eat the same stuff." So we would put two bowls together, the, 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 these two bowls together and then we create a breach so we can even put more stuff, right? And then we'll just split it. People didn't like us, but they couldn't tell us not to come in. And then after that, we just we would give it to the cook, and uh, we would give it to the cook. He will uh, he would cook it for us, and then we would enjoy the food. But for us to enjoy, the more we wanted to enjoy the food, the more we were supposed to put in that plate. But how much you put in that plate depended on what you put in that plate first. If we put the big stuff and we didn't know how to set it up, we were not going to put enough. We were not going to put a whole lot. It was going to be limited. So the more you go to that place, that's how, you know, we learn how to do that, right? And, and so you enjoy more. And a lot of times, priorities are like that. If you don't put the right stuff in your plate, you're not going to enjoy some of the blessings that God has for you. A lot of times we miss on the blessings. It's not that God is not willing or is not going to bless us. But a lot of times we put other stuff as a priority and we expect for God to bless us. And that's not the way it works. So today we are going to look into the simplicity but powerful uh, pr- uh, principle of priorities. Priorities is not about just doing more. Priorities is about doing what matters the most. So last week we began in Haggai chapter 1 verse 1 through verse uh, f- uh, through verse 7. And we were looking at uh, understanding what was going on in the life of the people of Israel when God gave uh, Haggai this message for the people of Israel. So God wanted them to enjoy life, to enjoy His blessings. But they couldn't, they couldn't take those blessings because they were not having God as a priority in their lives. So they had lost their way in a sense. They had been free from captivity to come back with the purpose of worshiping God. That God freed them from slavery. God freed them from 70 years of captivity for the reason and for the purpose, with the purpose of them coming back to the holy city, to Jerusalem, so they can worship God and they can serve God. 
But instead of worshiping God and serving God, they waited, uh, they, they stopped doing what they were doing in the beginning, right after they got, they, they were free from that slavery, from that captivity. And as we saw in the first, uh, the first week and the first verses, let's go to Haggai, please. Let's go to Haggai chapter uh, 1, verse 1 through, uh, we're going to go through uh, only those three verses. I, um, uh, so, but, but it says that in the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, and notice how Haggai gives the specific time and date. Uh, the Lord came to the prophet Haggai to, uh, uh, to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua. And, and we're gonna, we're gonna skip some of that, um, some of that reading there. We're gonna go to Zerubbabel, who was the governor, and Joshua, who was the priest, right? So Joshua and Zerubbabel were the leaders that God is telling Haggai, write to these two leaders. Because I want you to keep in mind how important it is for people to stay encouraged and how important it is for the leaders to do what's right. So if you're a leader in your home, if you're a leader at work, if you're the own leader, if you're your own leader in your life, you got to remember God is telling you, God is talking to you to this morning. We're all leaders in some type of, in, 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 in some area in our lives. We're our own leader or we're leading somebody or something in life. So God is making sure He's telling the two leaders, the uh, political leader, the governor, but He's also telling the spiritual leader, make sure this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people, talking about the people of Israel, and this is what we talked about last week. These people say, um, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. So God knew what they were saying. God knew that they were not putting Him as a priority in their lives. And then in verse 3, He says, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. And the Lord is telling the people. The Lord is questioning the people. So, is it time for yourselves... To be living in panel houses while my house remains in ruins? You guys are saying this. You guys are saying I'm not important to you. But instead of me being important to you, you're saying, you know what, it doesn't matter. We're going to worry about putting panels in our houses. We're going to build our houses. We're not going to worry about the house of the Lord. And so the Lord gives them two warnings in verse 5 and another warning in verse 7. He tells them, give careful thought to your ways. Think about it. Think about exactly what you're doing. That's the reason why he says, you have planted much, but you have harvested little. You have ate, you ate a lot, but never enough. You drink, but never have, uh, ne- uh, um, but have your fill. You never have have your feel. Uh, you put clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages and only to put them in a purse with holes in it. In other words, you are never satisfied. This is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 7, give careful thought to your ways. So, so basically, when we look at chap- uh, uh, verse 5 in that chapter, God is telling them, think about your life. Think about how it's going. You know, uh, uh, sometimes people can be drowning in the world. And when I mean drowning, I mean drowning emotionally, drowning spiritually, drowning in different ways. And, and they're drowning. And you tell them, you know, have you think about what's going on in your life? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, I, I know what's going on in my life. I got this. 
while they keep on drowning. Things are going bad. Things are going the wrong way. But they're not acknowledging. So God is telling them, basically, think about what's going on. Give careful thought to your ways. Think about what's going on and make sure... Make sure you decide why is this happening to you. Is this a consequence of your, from your bad decisions? Or is this just a trial, just a test in your life? And, and in verse 6, that's why he's telling them, you know, you have planted much. Let's go to verse 6. Let's go to the next slide. The, um, let's go to the next slide. Uh, can, we, can we do that? Yeah. He says in verse 6, you have planted much. But harvest later. And, and I, I want you to see how I divided, uh, how I, I made the divisions in the verse. Because he tells them, you ate, you drink, you put on clothes, you earn wages. And if you notice that what's follow, what follows that is they were never, that was never enough. That was never enough. So they were getting some things uh, that they desired. But once they had them, they were not satisfied. Uh, they were trying to fill their dissatisfaction, their emptiness. They were trying to fill their void with the wrong things. Nothing was, nothing was filling that void because they had forgotten about God. Now, does that sound familiar to you? Do, do, you, do, you, do you see around our world today? Do you see how much people try to fill their lives with things? You, you know, there are people who are obsessed with buying things online. There are people who, have, who are going to uh, therapy because they can stop buying an Amazon. I don't know if that's you. If that's you, I, I don't want, I, I'm not going to apologize, but you know, I'm just going to say, think about it. And now, there is this other thing that uh, they, uh, they use in, in Facebook, Temu. You, you buy something in Temu and they'll bombard you with offer after and they trick you into it, right? And, and people fall into that and, and they buy this and they buy that and they buy... And that's why a lot of times you go to, uh, you know, you go to your house and you don't even open the garage because the garage is, is full with stuff you don't even need. And it's like... When are we satisfied? How, how, how much does it take for us to be satisfied? And, and the reason that the, the Lord is telling them, you know, all this stuff is happening in your life, but you're still not satisfied. It, it, it is not the, it, that's the way people are living today for the most part. And if we don't, we're not careful with our own life, you know, we'll get to that point too, because if you're forgetting about God, you're so focused on you that you want to satisfy yourself. And that's why we go, to, uh, we go to our closets and we say, I don't have anything to wear. And the closet is full. Uh, we don't have any shoes to wear. And the, there, there, there's like 20, 30 pairs of shoes. They, they were so distracted. And the people of Israel were so distracted by so many personal things. That they forgot the reason why God has had given them freedom. After 70 years of captivity, God gave them freedom. 
And he tells them in verse 7, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, think about what you're doing. Think about why things are going. You cannot be drowning and saying, I'm okay. Things cannot be going bad in your life and saying, I'm okay. You know, um... So before we jump into ver- uh, to verses 8 to 15, let's understand some more of the background on this book. So, so we can understand why God is sending them the message that He's sending them through the uh, prophet Haggai. And, and, and to be fair with the people of Israel who have gone back to Jerusalem, they were free from captivity, about 18 to 16 years in total, but they, didn't, they, they did have the intention to rebuild the temple. Last week, we pay attention to the first seven verses, and we look part of the background. Part of the background is they were uh, they put the work of the Lord to the side and worry about their own things, worry about their own uh, belongings, their own houses, and put the work of the Lord aside. And they did that for about 16, 18 to 16 years. And now, if we go back to the other, the, the other, the other angle of the background, they didn't start that way. In the beginning, they were actually going to build the house of the Lord. So the question is, if they were going to build the house of the Lord, what made them stop? This This is important. What made them stop worshiping and serving the Lord? Because they didn't just stop worshiping. Whatever they were going to bring as an offering, they used, they used to bring the stuff that was defiled. In other, in other words, stuff that had gone bad. This is interesting. So, what happened? I want you to see Ezra. Ezra, when he's writing about, you know, when we look at the first verses in Haggai, we're looking at that 16 years, 18 years later. When we go back to Ezra, that's when this started. In other words, when we look at Ezra, we go back in time 18 to 16 years. And this is what happened in Ezra. Let's go to the verses in Ezra, David, please. Uh, It it says that when the seven months came to the, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, they went back to, they went back home, they went back to Jerusalem, and, and they settled in their towns. The people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. So when they first went back, they were united, they were strong, they had unity among themselves. And then it says in verse 2, Then Joshua, son of Hosadak, and his fellow priest Zerubbabel, remember these two? Sixteen years later, God is telling Haggai, tell Joshua and Zerubbabel. So it's talking to the same leaders. But these leaders had stopped the work 16 to 18 years before. That's for you to realize one thing. Everything stands or falls from leadership. Leadership is important in every sense of life. In everything is important. From your home to your work to your church, leadership, for, for, you know, including in our government. And then he says, Then Joshua, son of Hasadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, uh, and his associates, began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings. Notice that. They just got there. And they began to build the altar. They were going to build the temple. What made them stop? 
But then he says in verse 3, Despite of their fear of the people around them, there were enemies of Israel around them when they first went back. And despite of them, despite of the enemies, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings. They were worshiping God. That's why God freed them. He gave them freedom to worship God. And then in verse, if we jump all the way to verse 7, let's go to verse 7 now. Let's go, verse 7 says that they even gave money to the masons and the carpenters and gave food and drink and olive oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre. And, and, and so they would bring cedar logs by the sea from Lebanon. In other words, they were putting money into it. They wanted to build the house of the Lord. They wanted to do what the Lord wanted them to do. And let me tell you one thing. Let's keep, in this, let's keep this in mind as we, go, as we go on in this study. It's not the point God had was not about the temple. Remember, the Bible says that God does not, does not live in, in what? Houses made by men. God, that was not, the temple was not the point. It's what the temple represent. What did the temple represent? It represented the place of worship. That was the most important part. They were missing that later on. But right now, they were encouraged when they first get there, 18 years, 16 years before when we got to Haggai chapter 1. And so it says that in the second, verse 8 says that in the second month of the second year after their arrival at the house, uh, after their arrival at the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the people and the rest of the priests, the Levites, who had returned from captivity from the 70 years, uh, they began to work. And they were appointing people to work. They appointed some Levites to work. And some of them were supervising, uh, according to verse 9, some of the Levites were supervising the work. They wanted to build the temple. They knew. They were encouraged to do it. Have you ever been encouraged to do something? And you're like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve the Lord no matter what. I'm going to serve the Lord. And then all of a sudden something happens. Let Let me tell you what happens. Some type of opposition happens in your life. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, I thought I was going to do that, but I don't want to do it anymore. Has that ever happened to you? Don't, don't tell me that. Just think about it. I, I cannot tell you how many times I get discouraged. I do. Ah, but you're the pastor. You can get, and I get discouraged. You have no idea how many times. But I got to remember, God is the boss. He's the one who calls us to do this. He's the one who calls us to do what we got to do. He's the one who calls us to worship Him and to serve Him. It is to God that I answer. It is to God that you answer. So what happened to these people? They were so encouraged. And what has happened to many people in church history when they were, they were encouraged to do something amazing for God and then later on they get discouraged. Why? Why does that happen? Notice, let's go to chapter 4 in, in, in Ezra. In chapter 4 it says that, notice that when they're working and they're ready to start the temple, it says that when the enemies of Judah and Benjamin, Judah and Benjamin out of the 12 tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin were the tribes in the southern kingdom, 
And the tribes in the southern kingdom are the ones, uh, were the ones who were living in Jerusalem. So these people from Israel, that these two tribes from Israel heard that the, uh, uh, the you know, their enemies heard that their ex- the, the exiles, uh, in other words, the people who were coming from captivity, were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel. They came to Zerubbabel. So let me, let me summarize that really quick. You can read it if you want, but I'm going to summarize it. Uh, they came to Zerubbabel and to Joshua, who were the leaders. And they basically told them, hey, let us help you out. It's like when somebody who's your enemy comes and you're working in the motor of your car, right? And your enemy comes and your enemy tells you, oh, let me help you. I'll fix it for you. And you're like, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> this guy's probably going to cut my brace or something like that. And that's what happened to them. And so they said, no, no, thank you. Thank you, but no, thank you. And in verse 3, and in verse 3, they, they said, Zerubbabel and Joshua and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answer, you have no part with us in building the temple of our God. We alone will build it. For the Lord, uh, you know, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, have commanded us. So we're like, no, no thank you. I'll, I'll take care of it. We'll take care of it. It's our God that we're going to build the temple to. So keep in mind, what discouraged them 18 years, 16 years before from building the temple, if they were so encouraged to do it? Then it says in verse 4, Then the people around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building Watch what they did. They bribed officials to work against them. In other words, you know what? Here, hey, 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 we'll give you some money here. Do not allow their permits. You know, they were building. Mike knows about permits. Building permits really good, huh, Mike? And then when, when somebody says, no, no, we're not going to give you the permit. It's like, so, and they were paying them. They were bribing them. So, so that they will oppose to the building of the temple. So what discouraged them? It's very simple. Let's go to the next slide. What discouraged them was exactly opposition. Opposition discouraged people a lot of times. Now, when, some, when something or somebody opposes to you doing what's right before God, it's hard. But in opposition, you're going to have two reactions. Reaction number one, the opposition is going to make you stronger. And you're going to say, you know what? I know what God has called me to do. These, these people or these things are, being, are opposing me. They're coming against me, but I'm not going to give up. Remember what David said when Goliath came against him? You come to me with what? With sore and what else? You don't remember that, huh? The spear and the sword. And you come to me against me with your weapons. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. And he says, I'm not going to be afraid. So when opposition comes, you either get stronger. And you say, you know what? I made a commitment to serve the Lord. I made a commitment to do this the right way. I'm not going to get discouraged. Or you will say, you know what? Man, I, I don't want to be offensive to nobody. You know, we live in the we live in this time. Everybody has to be politically correct. You say the wrong thing. 
it, it, you cannot even tell people you're wrong because it's offensive now. So what do you tell them? Oh, you can do it better or you can do... I don't know. But it's like we're, it's like we're, we're talking to little kids. It's hard. I heard a friend of mine was telling me, I think it's Switzerland. Is it Switzerland or Sweden? So, so one of those countries in Europe, is either Switzerland or, or, or Sweden, uh, where if you go over there as an American, be ready. They'll tell it to you the way it is. They don't beat around the bushes. And they tell you, uh, what, they make fun of you, they do whatever. It, it's just, they don't worry about that stuff, right? But a lot of times, when opposition comes against us, we're like, I just don't want to offend people. I don't want to do... And so, Sorobabel and Joshua, who were the leaders, a- instead of when the people were discouraged from the plans that they had, when opposition came and people were discouraged, the leaders stayed quiet. That's why when we go back to Haggai, 16 years later, guess who God is sending the message to? To Zerubbabel and Joshua. He's telling them, Zerubbabel and Joshua, you are responsible as a leader. Don't back down again. I'm sending you to do what you got to do. Don't back down again. And a lot of times in our homes, we back down as leaders. And we stop doing what God is calling us to do as leaders of our homes. We stop doing what we're calling to do as leaders in the church of God. Because we don't want to be offensive to other people. You have no idea the names I've been called. And a lot of times I'm just like, you know, whatever. I get more titles than everybody, than any of you. So, opposition is huge. And it gets discouraging when, you're, when, when you get opposition. And so they were discouraged. And... and and so I want you to see this. I want you to see that they were discouraged. And when you want to do something for God, the enemy, the enemy will always try to bring discouragement to you, to your family. You know, I don't know if this happens to you, but I heard this from, uh, from many, many families, many Christians, that the day that they usually have a problem with their spouses is right after they leave home for church. That's interesting. Why do we have to fight right before we go to church, right? Opposition, discouragement, uh, right? And so the enemy always will try to find the way, in a way, in a moment, to discourage you. Uh, they will try, but discouragement, uh, you know, it's, it's up to you what discouragement, what opposition does to you. Whether it discourages you or it makes you stronger. And so in Ezra 4.24, this was their result. The result in Ezra 4.24, Thus, the work of the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. That's exactly, that's exactly when Haggai begins talking to them. So, they stopped 16 years before, and they got a message during the second year of Darius, the king of Persia, 16 years later, and said, God said to the leaders, it was to you that I gave you this responsibility because everything stands or falls from leadership. If you're a leader in anything, you are responsible. 
even if you don't do the things, you are responsible for the things that get done under your watch. So, so here is, here is in the second year of, 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 of Darius, this is the verses that we read in verse, uh, from verse 1 through verse 7. So, now we can understand why were they not satisfied according to verse 6. Why were they not satisfied with food? Why were they not satisfied with all the stuff that verse uh, verse 6 says? Why were they not satisfied with food? Why were they not satisfied with what they drink? What, it's, 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 it's an example of the fact that they were not satisfied with anything because they forgot about God. And it's simple. If you forget about God, and when you forget about God, it doesn't mean... You're not going to say, oh, I'm forgetting God. No, no. It's the way you act. It's what you do. Oh, no, no. I haven't forgot about God, but eh, I'll do this. I'll go to church in two months from now. Oh, and you're not forgetting about God? Oh, I'm not going to forget about God, but my money is going to go into this and not into this. Huh. And you're not forgetting about God. How's that? Because where we put our time, our funds, our efforts, that is our priority. And so, that's why God tells them in verse 5 and 7, give careful thought to your ways. Think about it. Analyze what's going on. Why did God free the people of Israel? Why did He give them freedom? To go back and worship the Lord. To go back and serve the Lord. Why do you think God has given you freedom from sin? Because we were slaves to sin. That's what the Bible says. And the reason God has uh, given you freedom from sin is so you can worship God and you can serve God. If you're not serving God, then God is calling you. God is calling you, let me tell you. You cannot, you cannot tell anybody you are a faithful believer and you're not serving God. Oh, but how do I serve God? Oh, there's a lot of ways you can serve God. Start with your own family. Serve your own family. Serve your own family in a spiritual way by bringing them to church. That is a priority. You want things to go better in life, but you're not willing to put the work. You know, a lot of times people are like, well, I got to think about it. You know, just, just do the Nike thing. Just do it. Just do it. Man, it's like, I'll do it later. No, you're not going to do it later. You're going to keep on procrastinating. Do it now when God is calling you to do it. When you are discouraged, the enemy will find a lot of things to keep you busy. The enemy will find a lot of things. And that's why when they get discouraged, the enemy found a lot of things to keep them busy. So they forgot about God. And now that they forgot about God, it's like, oh, we're so busy doing all this stuff that God is... Oh, no, but God is priority in my life. Yeah, yeah. Not number one. They were not even sacrificing to God anymore. Now, remember this thing. And today we might go, uh, we might go on for another, an extra couple of minutes. But remember this thing, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. When we see examples like this in the Old Testament, this is what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians, David.
Are we there? Do we have the PowerPoint? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. Let me tell you, if you, if you, sometimes David can find it because sometimes I mix the Spanish with the English one. And so if you see some Spanglish uh, stuff over here, it's just for you to learn another language. I, I have a desire for you to grow learning Spanish. You know? Okay, so we don't have it. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 11, it says, These things happen, everything that we're going through in Haggai, and everything that you read in the Old Testament, these things happened to them, to the people of Israel, as examples, and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So they were written for an example. So now let me tell you, and we're going to finish with this. God gave them freedom. He gave them freedom so they can worship and serve God. Opposition came when you gonna when you when you are willing and encouraged to worship and serve God, you will find opposition. Whether it's at home, whether there's a work, whether it's people making fun of you for being a Christian, whether it's in church, you will find opposition in church. People will give you a bad look because you took the donut that they wanted to take from you. And like he got my donut, and I don't like him anymore. Don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, we'll get him donuts. Um, but opposition will be there. Opposition will discourage you if you don't learn from it. Will discourage you. And when you're discouraged, let me tell you, there, there's no worse thing than when a person is discouraged, they'll begin to add other things that are unimportant in their life. And they start forgetting about God little by little, little by little, little by little. They will always say, and they will never accept God as uh, God has been put to the side. But in their actions, that's what they show. So distractions will grow. You forget God. And when you forget God, there comes consequence. That is exactly what the people of Israel were experiencing. So what, what were they supposed to do? If they were experiencing consequences, now God is telling them, because you're experiencing consequences, now repent, build my house, Change. Change has to come. And when, when there is repentance, change comes automatically. Change comes by, by nature. Then you can worship God, which is the reason why God gave you freedom from sin originally. There's so much to look into this, into this book. But, but here's, here's one thing, and I, I'm going to have to finish right now. They begin, in the beginning, they were encouraged to do what God called them to do. What discouraged them? Opposition. My friend, I'm going to give you this news. You will always experience opposition when you're trying to do the right thing for God. And the opposition sometimes will even come, not just from the enemies. It will even come from the people you less expected. People that you think they're so mature. And they're not. You will find opposition. If you're not strong against opposition, you will get discouraged. You will get discouraged. You will let distractions come into your life. And you, little by little, you're going to put God to the side. Then you'll start experiencing consequences. Then, when you're in the hole, you'll be like, 
Oh, I got I got to go back to I got to go back to church. I got to go back to serving God. I got to go back to doing what I was supposed to be doing. I know I'm not obeying God the way I should be. God save you. God gave you freedom so you can worship God and serve God. If you're not doing one of those two things or both of them, then that means you have let distractions come into your life. And there will be consequences. That's to God to, for God to decide what the consequences are going to be. But if you do that, if you get to that point where you really think about what verse 5 and 7 says, think about what you're doing. Think about why things are going the way they're going. Repent. Change your life. And go back to worship and serving God. Let's stop serving ourselves. And let's serve God. Because when we serve God, we are going to be putting God as a priority. Then all the things that we're in need of will be added on to our lives. Our Father in heaven, we, we want to thank you, Lord, for this morning. Lord, there is so much, so much, so, so rich text. So much stuff that we can look into. Haggai, that we don't even have enough time to go through. So many times, Lord, where opposition is going to come into our lives, and you are calling us to be encouraged. We are here to serve you, we are here to be an example. And we learned from all these priorities of what really matters. Not just doing more stuff, Lord. Help us not just to do more stuff, but to do what's really valuable and important. And uh, we get busy, we get distracted with so many things. You have given us freedom. From the power of sin, the Bible says. So we can worship you and serve you. Thank you, Lord, because in your kindness, you gave this message to Haggai. And in your kindness, we are able to study the same message. So we can also change our lives. So we don't have to face the consequences of forgetting about you. We pray, Lord, that we will listen, we will obey. We pray, Lord, that we will make positive changes. Because the scripture says that you were with them when they made the positive changes. Help us, Lord, to learn from this story. When life gets busy and distracted, to remember to keep you in first place in our lives. Lord, we just pray that you will give us the wisdom and the encouragement to do that. Keep us encouraged, Lord. Because our priority this year is to worship you, is to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.